Meditation one, two, three. <laughs> that could have been the name of our that podcast. Was, that was the first name of that was, our but podcast. That was in the reject pile. <laughs> yeah. It was a long list. Yeah. So are we, are we rolling? I never know. I always... Rolling. We'll give it a minute. We'll give ourselves like yeah. a minute to like warm up. I always um, ask that because you're the one with a computer in front of you. So I actually don't know. <laughs> I like and you never say out. action. <laughs> yeah. I'm a terrible director. <laughs> you never say, all right. And five, four, three, two. It's just sort of, we just sort of begin. Yeah, we begin. Sometimes <clears throat> so, we, we lose a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. So what I like about this is we don't know what we're doing. We don't want to know what nope. we're talking about, but nope. this is good. Yeah. I think we should check in. And then, um, and then figure it out. Do you check in with your students all the time? Uh, yeah, I, I try, well, I can't check in with all of them all the time <laughs> because I have a at lot. this point over a thousand. Yeah. <gasps> That's the number? A thousand? I know it's over a thousand. Wow. But I, I stopped, I, I was really into keeping count and then I got bored. Uh, when I hit like 500, I was like, what am I doing? But I've kind of... Did you have like a notebook or was it... I had, yeah, I had, no, I had like a, I think I just opened up a file on pages and I went one, um, you know, Scott Larson, (laughs) two, Julia Irvin, three. Are those one and two for real? One was Scott Larson. Number one was my friend. Were you nervous to be your first? No. No. No, because your training just kicks in. Yeah. You know, unlike an actor, I know lots of actors who get up <laughs> and their training does not kick in. And I was sometimes one of those actors. Yeah. But I, yeah, I kept the list for a long time, and uh, and it seemed fun in the be in the beginning. I think my first year I taught 108 students, um, which is a lie, probably because there's no way it was exactly 108. It was, I think, it was like 115. Okay. And I thought, that's okay, enough. that's good. We can round <clears throat> down to our special 108 number. Right. And the next year it was like 102. Okay. And the next year it was like 120. And so I was always like hovering around 100. <clears throat> but then there were some years that were a lot more. So, but I don't, I, what I, what I like to do is once I initiate, I, I usually wait about a week or two weeks and then I'll reach out to them. If... If it's very comfortable, I'll just call them. Mm-hmm. If it's someone who I didn't know first or something like that, I'll text them and say, or email them and say, uh, I would love to catch up. Can we just have a chat? I just want to see how things are going. Um, and I do this because a lot of times people have questions, but they feel they are, they don't, they'll say, well, I wanted to call, but I didn't want to waste your time or I was afraid you'd be busy. And what I, I hope most people especially my students understand is, is, uh, every time a student asks me a question, I get to be a teacher and I want to be a teacher. I want to put on the teaching hat or else all this knowledge is going to waste. (laughs) And I only have the knowledge when I'm a teacher and you know me, 
you know, outside of being a teacher, I'm your teacher, but we're also friends. So there are times when that teacher hat comes off and I'm, it's fun, but like, it's not like I'm sitting around elucidating on the Vedas to you. (laughs) We're usually talking about music or food. You know what I mean? The two best things ever. Yeah. So, um, but I, I Other also, than meditation, sorry, yeah. three, three. <laughs> but I also want to break the ice. I yeah. want to break the ice and offer myself as a teacher in a more casual way, meaning they don't have to feel, I don't want my students to feel like, I, you know, I remember I did this with my teacher. I, I, I really wanted to call him and be like, I just, just call him and say, can I, we just chat for 10 minutes? I, I need to talk about meditation, yeah. but I never feel like I felt like I could. I felt like he was too high up, like too much on a pedestal, right. too unreachable, too enlightened, too didn't have time for me. Um, this is not true. This is just what I imagined. I imagined. Yeah. And, and what's, what's true is he's very busy because he has thousands of students, <clears throat> but I, I don't. And I, so yeah, so I'll teach like not a, yet, but not yeah. yet. I'll teach a crew of people and then a week later I'll, I'll reach out to them. And just this past week I spoke with several students who I just taught in LA. Oh yes. Like Kelly and Sam and who else? I don't remember. <laughs> Natalie, <laughs> my, my niece, Allison. Oh my gosh. Did she learn? She learned. Last, when you were She learned when I was in L.A. That, now I guess that's three weeks ago. That is so interesting So I taught my me. nephew, her brother, yeah. and my niece. And I've, ta- and I've taught a, a few of their friends as well. Like um, Allison's friend Eli, who's, he, he's a baseball player. He's a, he's a freshman in UCLA and starting, um, starting as a freshman, I think. I mean, he's like, he's incredible. He's a great kid and he's really took to meditation. And so a few of their friends I taught, so there's there's this weird circle of La Cunada teens. There's like a, a teenager pod of meditators. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Mm-hmm. But you can teach your family. It's not like a doctor where you, you're not supposed to like... No, no, you can teach your family. Yeah. It's, it's a little... Um, if you teach a parent, though, you know, you... Because it, it's inappropriate to become your parents teacher right so you kind of approach it in a way like hey i'm gonna teach you this thing and and if i was your teacher what i'd recommend is this you know is that advice that you're given when you learn that's advice that you're given you it's not you shouldn't teach your parents no 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 you should you should teach everybody act like a teacher well i guess it's more like you just want to show respect you want to somehow be a teacher to them but you want to do it in a way that honors them Okay. Instead of, you know, bossing them around. I mean, even though this is, you know, in, in the Vedic... I didn't feel bossed around by your teachings, just FYI. Well, you're not my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so you can teach anybody. And I, and I like to follow up with my students. I like to get a dialogue going. Because if there's a dialogue going, and I'll try and nurture it just a little bit. Right. And what's funny is some people really take to it and we, and I, and I form relationships with my students, which is good because I think in the, having a relationship with your student, 
um, makes it okay for them to start reaching out to you all the time to ask questions, which is what I want. Right. So I try and make a, a I guess, a safe space. That's a, that's good. I don't, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that you sounds have so. To feel safe in order for you to feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, right. I just want I just want people to feel comfortable to reach out and just say, "Hey, let's chat." Because I, I I didn't have anybody to talk to when I first learned. I was going out of my mind. All I wanted to talk about was how great this was, and I had, you know, I I learned <clears throat> with my now ex girlfriend Zibby, Zibby Allen, um, who's amazing. We but we broke up right after. <laughs> And and then we didn't talk. We kind of hated each wait, other for like a year and a this, half. So I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't talk to Yardley Smith, who's Lisa Simpson, who got me into this, oh. who I met, who was her friend, because wow, okay, she she was there and she was our connection to Tom. And I couldn't call Tom, so I just felt sort of suddenly alone. But all I talked about was meditation. And I slowly, what happened is I got all my friends into it. Yeah. Because and then, you needed you initially because you wanted people to talk to. I just about needed it. <laughs> that was the only reason. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I wanted shared experience. Yeah. I wanted other people to know how great this was. And and what's amazing is as as big as much as I talked it up, I still had trouble people yeah. had trouble getting people to learn. Like I, I think I said this before. If you went to someone and said, "I found the fountain of youth." It exists. It's real, and I can take you there right now. You would get. People and people would say, uh, I, I, I would, but I have to go shopping. Oh, I have this dinner tonight. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I started just getting everybody I knew into it. And, and so this, wait, I want to go back for a second yeah. because you and your girlfriend broke up after you learned meditation. Yes. But this is, and I'm not saying this was specific to your <clears throat> circumstance, but this is common, right? Or, or like people sort of have these realizations about things. I'm not saying it's common for you to break up with, with right. Your and I don't want this. No, I'm sorry. I definitely don't want this that. podcast to be about mine and Zibby's breakup. Although no, 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 she'd probably not, find it hilarious. Not but, about that. But you're right. But you brought that up when I was in the course with another woman, and she totally anonymously. We haven't said, heard from her. You and I haven't. Heard, I haven't heard from her never at all. Once. Not once. No. What was her name? Gladys. Ruth. <laughs> we both went to like. Hortense? <laughs> was it Ru- Was it Dorothy? No. It was a name like that. It was the name of like a school marmy woman from the twenties. Yeah. But she I. Was she was. She was hilarious. She was, but she. In our course, and I remember being like, "Whoa, girl, go for it." She was like, "I'm thinking of leaving my partner." Yeah. And, and I remember looking at you and thinking, "Hmm, he must get a lot of like." Personal information all the time. for people. All the time. Yeah. And a lot of people come in on the second day. I remember I taught this one woman. I won't re- mention her name, but she sat her second day, the day after her initiations, she sat down and she went, I'm leaving my fiance. And I was like, please. So this is a thing that it's happens. A thing. What do you think that is? It's several things. Okay. Uh, the, the first first thing, well, let's see here. You have to choose your <clears throat> well, yeah, I gotta, I gotta. Say, which road am I go, going to kind of go down? <laughs> so one thing, you know, when when the individual mind merges with totality during transcendence, you lose the individual. You lose the individual because you are not the individual. 
Though right now, everything about you feels like the individual. Yeah. So losing it can be a little scary until you lose it, and then it's just this expansive thing. So people live in a world of boundaries, and when they transcend, <clears throat> the first thing that, they, that the mind experiences is unboundedness, no boundaries. And they come out with a memory of no boundaries, and the mind, the individual, wants to get in on the action and wants to showcase unboundedness. And, uh, and, I, and so like when, you, when people learn, they suddenly want to travel. They suddenly want to quit their jobs. They suddenly want to break up with their partner. They, 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 because whereas before, a partner may be part of the boundary. Ah. And they put that partner there. No one is a victim to anything. Everyone puts their partner there. You chose that, you know, even right. if, even if, you know, wh- whatever. So they get this taste of unboundedness and they start thinking, oh, like, I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need this. I just, I just want to. So there's that aspect to it. And then a lot of people, a lot of people, pretty much everybody thinks happiness is outside of them. Mm-hmm. And that's just something we're taught, and it's something that, in a way, if we didn't have a meditation practice, we could prove. But once you have a meditation practice, it becomes very difficult to prove that, that happiness is outside of you, you know, because you can make the, the, you can say like, well, I don't have money, and where's money? Well, I don't have it, it's outside of myself, right? And so in order to get money, I have to, where's the money? Not in my bank account, not in my pocket, <laughs> and not in my old blazer, you know, pocket, whatever. It is out there, and it's not here, so I have to go out there to get it, to bring it here. And um, a single person, a single person, if they identify as being single, what they generally want is a partner. Where's a partner? Well... He or she isn't in this house, right? So I have to go out. He or she might be at a bar, right, or something like that. So I have to go out and get it. And it's all all of this importing fulfillment kind of stuff. So then they meditate, they dip into that unboundedness, and they touch upon the fulfillment within them, which is their source. And you and I know, and anybody who practices Vedic meditation knows, that when you touch that deep state of unboundedness inside of you, it, 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 it short circuits the ability or the desire to comment on the experience itself. In other words, you stop thinking. Yeah. Thoughts become useless, superfluous, because fulfillment is actually beyond thinking, beyond speech, beyond the senses. And if you hit that, what could you possibly want to say about it? To say, to comment on it while you're going through it would be to come out of it. Yeah. And who wants to come out of that? Right. No one. You know, like a lot of people feel this way. A lot of meditators, they're super busy. Sometimes they don't want to meditate. Like, I know I have to meditate, but I just have too much to do. But if they knew for sure, like the thing is, is if they stopped what they were doing, and I'm kind of talking to you right now. <laughs> and they meditated. Are you talking to me right now? And they okay. tasted yeah. that 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 
transcendental consciousness state once again, they would forget everything. Right. They wouldn't want to come out of it. And they'd, and then when they finally emerged, they would think, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. I'm, why did I, why am I not doing, why am I not setting aside the time to do this? Yeah. So when your experience unboundedness, the mind goes, Ooh, I like this, no boundaries. And you reach the interstate of fulfillment and it's, Oh, wait a second. A partner is not responsible for my happiness. Money is not responsible for my happiness. Fame isn't, and whatever. Um, people come out and go, hmm, partner's kind of a dick. Yeah. I'm breaking up with him. Not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's my job to go, no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> we're, we're very used to, we being in the Vedic meditation initiators around the world, of encouraging our students not to make any big decisions until about four to six weeks. So I experienced this firsthand because we told whatever her name is that we cannot remember. And I'm horrified. I swear. Gladys. I said that already. And I thought Ruth. It's like. Jackie. Marjorie. It would be. Jackie. No. No, it's not Jackie's too. (laughs) What if she's listening to this? Oh my God. What if she is? We love you, by the way. I want to be your friend. She was so funny. I want to be your friend. Yeah. Um, Mabel. No. I know. Okay. <laughs> but she said, I'm thinking of leaving my partner. And I, I think my eyes got really big and I kind of looked and I'm just thinking like, mm. what, what's happening here? And you were like, you said, you know, I think I absolutely respect that. Like a lot of things you're going through your mind and some big decisions might be surfacing. Was I... Was I that mature? Is that you were what I said? Extraordinarily mature. And you said, <laughs> I would encourage you not to make any big decisions right now because this is common for people to have an experience yeah. of second guessing things or thinking through, you know, and, and, you know, you could decide in six months or you keep meditating yeah. and, and then decide. But it, I was really captivated in that moment, just like, whoa, what is happening? It was, it happens cool. all the time. Yeah. All the time. And it's all, all sorts of things happen. You have, you have that, you have people breaking down into tears. Yeah. Um, students fall in love with you. You can see it happening mm. and you know, it's only going to last about 15 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause there's an imprinting. They come out of, right. they transcend and they come out of it for the first time and look at and you. They feel like blissed out. Yeah. It's like yeah. the, the little, you know, the cartoons or the little you know, kitten is born and it's going mama to everything, to the duck, to the dog. It's like a little, like they're, they're just, little, they're just a little blissed out. And then, and then they kind of, they shake it off. Right. I, I, I've seen people want to break up, quit their jobs. This happens on retreats too. We also have to tell people like on a typical weekend rounding retreat, um, please, as much as you can, don't use your phones. Do not engage too much with your partner. Do not quit your job while you're here. People quit their jobs and and dump their partners on rounding retreats constantly because there's just more. It's like at first initiation, but way more intense. And they just come out and they're, they're rounding and they're in deep meditation. They come out and they go, I know what needs to happen. I need to dump <laughs> my husband of 15 years and then quit my job. Yeah. I've ha- I have it all figured out and, and we're there to go. Do not. So, in your do experience, that. do people go on to 
end up making that same decision or, or yeah, sometimes or like, okay, say, oh, so, wow, that was a wild so the one person I was just telling you about, yeah. she left her partner a year later. Okay. Uh, so she, by, by actually by the last class, she said, I think you're right. I think it's better if I just settle. Cause I, I gave her this little lecture, you know, this little, not a lecture, but advice or something yeah. like that. Well, I think it's good. It's balancing because someone comes out of this moment really exhilarated and then you're able to say, Hold on. Pump Don't shake everything up yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we kind of want to because we feel like, look at it, the, you know, the thing you've been, the thing everybody is searching for in life is ultimately this. Yeah. Not the meditation, but what we experience within the meditation. I can guarantee it. You know, any, anybody, anybody with a heartbeat and a brain that works is looking for fulfillment. And they keep thinking they find fulfillment in a partner or a job or, you know, invading Poland or whatever it is, you know, you some weird friends. Okay. Well, I'm not friends with Hitler, but I like to use him <laughs> as an example yeah. because he's Hitler and, and, and even okay. one of we the all most like to use Hitler as an yes. example, but, he, but the point is, is even the most dastardly person in yeah. the last hundred years was, um, was looking for happiness. Yeah. Uh, that's what he want, wanted, but uh, but whenever we find happiness, it doesn't actually fulfill us. It's not fulfilling. Happiness is always temporary. When you know you you know you found real fulfillment when your brain stops thinking, and when there's inner contentedness, not ecstasy. Ecstasy isn't fulfillment. Ecstasy right. is a is a is an intense feeling. Um, it's fleeting. It's momentary. F- exactly. It's yeah. very fleeting. But supreme inner contentedness is stable and it continues to rise and rise and rise and becomes more and more stable. So you have this deep, deep inner peace. And on the surface, what happens is you can have ups and downs. You can uh, have feelings, but really deep inside you, your baseline happiness keeps rising and rising. So Anybody, the fulfillment of all religions is is transcendence. Uh, what does religion want? You know, what does religion promise? Religion promises that you know you can know God or 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 know the bliss of knowing God, experience the bliss of uh, or merging with God or merging with self. You know, spirituality, what does spirituality want? Well, you know, they, I think in spiritual circles, there's a little bit too many manifestation circles. Mm-hmm. You know, it cracks me up that that there's a spiritual community and the big thing is like, okay, let's get together around the full moon and have a spiritual manifestation. You're going to sit around and decide what you want. I want a job. I want a boyfriend. It's not that that's bad. It's just that it's not that spiritual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Sp- real, you know, spirituality means it's is coming into contact, direct contact with spirit, which is what? Consciousness. And that's what we're doing on a daily basis is coming into contact with consciousness. And the more we do, the more we integrate it into our eyes open waking state. So we don't have to... You know, it's like if you, this is the weirdest analogy, but you know, so I'm ready. you know how you, you have to go to Whole Foods right. to get Whole Foods foods. Um, 
And it's kind of like meditation is kind of like that in the beginning. You have to go somewhere to get it. Now you have to go within yourself to get it, not outside of yourself, but within. Um, And after a while, it's always there. And cosmic consciousness, once things are stabilized, would just be like moving into Whole Foods. So you never have to go there. You're there all the time. It's everything is at your... Now, meditating and finding fulfillment within you is... It's still very close because it's within you. You don't have to go to, you know, the top of a mountain or something like that or to find fulfillment. It is within you. But it, at some point through dedicated practice stabilizes and it's and it doesn't just do that for the lucky it just does that for the dedicated everybody everybody it's not like people have to worry like well that won't happen to me so i might as well not meditate if you meditate twice a day it's going to happen to you it's inevitable it's inevitable the the one trick or the tricky part i should say is that See, cosmic consciousness will happen to pretty much everybody who meditates twice a day. But they might deny that they're in cosmic consciousness. That's the weirdest part. They might get there and then deny that they're even in it. That's how bizarre humans are. Or pre-programmed to just... Pre-programmed to... um, Like eschew any kind of belief that they yeah. could actually be that person exactly this is why i loved talking it. to michael because he had such michael I... as in my stepdad podcast yeah. number five yes thank yeah. you thank <laughs> you for the reference point thank you for the footnote um he had such a great perspective it's like he didn't necessarily want the enlightenment that's not he likes the calming aspect of it right um and that is not to say i don't i don't know where he is on the the spectrum of things but i just like that he really appreciated it for the things that it brought to his life mm-hmm. and it wasn't about like i want to reach enlightenment i want to do this i want to do that it was just really like this works for me on a daily basis it helps me in my routine and mm-hmm. i love it for that <clears throat> yeah i think that's cool and it's a and i think probably more meditators are in it for that yeah. Than they are for the spiritual yeah. stuff. I'm I'm the opposite of Michael. In in like I want all the celestial stuff. <laughs> I do. I want all the cosmic goodies. I read that the Beatles <clears throat> when they were in Rishikesh, mm-hmm. they were like competing to see who would reach the next level faster. Uh-huh. It was like I'm gonna get to cosmic consciousness before yeah. you are. I'm gonna oh, get God. I'm gonna It I might be true, but true. they, they were it might be true, but they were also doing Especially John was doing a lot of drugs. I believe that. Yeah. You, you are not supposed to, you know, we, we don't say as teachers, you shouldn't do drugs. We just say meditate twice a day. Yeah. You know, if you meditate twice a day, eventually that kind of stuff just falls away. Right. But they were doing, they were doing like drugs in Rishikesh <laughs> and you shouldn't be doing that and rounding at the same time. Yeah. It just isn't a good idea. Damn it. I'm going to have to put away those drugs that I <laughs> had in my back pocket. But this is kind of fun to talk about because, um, I, my anniversary as a meditator is coming up and it's always your a, metaversary. My metaversary. We, that's what we, we, when we said 
I always I'm groan so with myself when I say that, but there's no better word for it. No, well, we um, when we were talking to Cassidy, yeah, she was saying her meta, and I was like, everyone uses this word. What is this word? Your metaverse. Metaversary is coming up. It's yeah. March fourth. Yeah. And I remember that because March fourth. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're marching forth. You're marching forth. It was like a whole. I got in the car and Z- and Zibby looks at me. She goes, "It's March 4th. I was like, "Yeah." And she goes, "No, March." And she kind of pantomimed marching, yeah. and then pointed forth. And I was like, "Oh my god, <sighs> we'll never forget that." That's great. And so every year, I, I I post something on Instagram about March 4th and my and how grateful I am and and everything like that. And this. So if you're listening to this, keep an eye out on March. Yes. 4th. <laughs> so this morning. I saw on the calendar that it was coming up. I was like, I was trying to decide a date for something. I was like, March 4th. And I started thinking and thought, you know, I don't need to post a March 4th post right. every single year. But does it feel good to you? Well, uh, yeah, it does. But it feels like work. And, 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 and today I kind of felt, I think I'm finally beyond that. I don't really need to yeah. do that. Yeah. And then for the next Never mind. hour, if you're listening to this, don't look. Yes. Uh, you, there's literally nothing to see on March 4th. <laughs> nothing to see. <laughs> nothing but then for the next there. hour, I started getting sentimental. I started going through my experience of the whole day. I got in a fight with Zibby at the um, at the Whole Foods. Uh, we were like, I think we both picked the same fruit. About the fruit. About the fruit. We were fighting over the fruit. And I don't remember exactly what it was about. I think we both like. We were like trying to pick big, impressive fruit. I, I like was <laughs> suffering over the fruit. It's Fully so right. suffering. What did you bring? Do you remember? I do. I brought a mango and I actually brought. I ate that mango, three, by the way. Mm-hmm. Three fruits because I was so petrified that I was going to bring the wrong fruit, uh-huh. which turns out you can't. Didn't you bring something fancy like a um, star, like a no, dragon fruit no, or something? Was, I had a nectarine. Didn't you bring like a bowl of porridge? It was a nectarine of pear. It was a nectarine of pear and an apple. It wasn't a mango. Oh, I lied. Then I didn't eat that. Or, or you ate the pear and the, the nectarine. Right. Um, but I remember because the colors all looked really good together. Yeah. And you know me, aesthetic is right. It's very everything. important. Yeah, but I, I was like really. Yeah, we were, we were overthinking it. Totally. We were overthinking it and then kind of like got annoyed with each other about like, no, I'm bringing the pineapple. Something. I don't remember what it was, but it was so dumb that, that we can laugh about it now. And then, um, we went, we went to Jeff Kober's house. He's an initiator in studio city and Tom was there and we were meeting. Um, and you didn't know anything about Tom at this point. I'd Googled him okay, and I kind of thought he looked the part. But like, you know, I, but I remember I told Zibby, I was kind of like, um, I said, I don't know. He, he just seems like some white guy pretending to be an Indian. I said, and like, his name's Tom with an H who has an H after their T in their name. And you she do. goes, you do. And I was like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> I was being, I mean, I was being so critical of the thing. It was, I was like, oh, I can't believe it. Of course, me. So <laughs> just talking out of my ass. And then we went in and and he was very nice. And I remember kind of like, I felt sorry for him that he was a meditation teacher. Interesting. Yeah. Go, yeah. Let's, let's talk about so that. So I saw him kind of sitting there and he seemed kind of, you know, older or getting on in years. And I kind of thought... 
this poor bastard, you know, he's, <laughs> he has a fake job because probably nothing else worked out for him. He probably goes home to his dark little weird house that, you know, um, he sits in the dark and, uh, <laughs> you know, has to pretend like he's a meta, you know, some master. And, and I just felt like pity for him. And I just thought this is like the saddest thing I've ever seen. Uh, now this is, by the way, a, re- a report on my state of consciousness. Right. This Absolutely. is where I was at. Yeah. You know, I've told him this. I, you know, for years I was embarrassed by this, but I, I once told him and, and he, he was apoplectic. He couldn't breathe. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> you know, little did I know, I, I had no idea. I had no idea, but he was just seemed, I just, I don't know what it was, but, um, but he seemed very nice. And then, <clears throat> and then we went to the puja room me and Zibby and Yardley. Yardley was getting her her advanced technique that okay. day. And he started singing puja and I immediately like snapped to attention. Like whatever little critic was barking in my head about the experience was shut up like mm-hmm. just quieted because this was I was like, well, you know, some this is like beautiful this yeah. song. And my my uh attention kept going to the middle of the the holy tradition the picture to the face of vyasa and vyasa i now know is a master of he he was the one who wrote the the bhagavad gita and the uh mahabharata but he's the one in that picture he's breaking the fourth wall he's the only one looking directly out where everybody else is looking somewhere else and uh, and then he gave me my my uh, Tom, not Vyasa, gave me my mantra, and uh, and then we know the rest. We've talked about this. I went into hysterics and I couldn't breathe and I, I was having trouble controlling myself. I was on the ground laughing. I had snot and tears and saliva coming out of my face, and I had a you know total conniption fit. Just I freaked out. I freaked out, and I've never laughed that hard in my, in my life. Um, and, uh, and so that was a dramatic experience, but even taking that away, because that's the fun thing to talk about, but the real thing that happened is the thing I'd been looking for all my life happened, which is I had an experience that not in that session, but, but that's the beginning. I was initiated into the thing that I've been looking for. So the next, so I, you know, I went home and I slept for the first time in nine years, unaided by Ambien or anything. I woke up, I transcended, I did my homework, and I had a transcendental experience, the first transcendental experience I've ever had. And so th- by the time I saw him again, tw- you know, 24 hours later, I was already a changed person. And I, the gratitude... You know, I'm not, I think people say the word gratitude too much in Los Angeles. <laughs> totally. But I haven't heard it since I moved here. So go on. <laughs> and, and I, and because of that, like, I, I don't like to say the word journey, like, yeah. you know, your journey and gratitude, but by the, the way, that apparently makes you a millennial. If you call everything your journey. Oh my God. Probably. Right. Yeah. But the gratitude I, f- I felt it hadn't fully happened yet, but it was like welling up in me. I just, it, it felt more like grace and mercy at the same time. Like nature showed me mercy after years of just being what it felt like a, a, a 20 years of an ass kicking. The gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. I finally 
it like slaked my spiritual thirst. Yeah. I don't know how else to put that it. That was <laughs> really well put. Thanks. And it just felt like grace. Yeah. Like the grace of the universe just shined on me and said, okay, here it is. And, and, um, and it not only came with the experience, but the intellect, my intellect, which was, is happy living off of the three stooges and fart jokes you know, finally also found what it was looking for, which was, was supreme knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a gour- gourmet chef who, who, who also likes, you know, frozen food enchiladas or something like that. But I didn't know I had a taste for Vedic knowledge. Yeah. I didn't know that until I heard it. And once I heard it, it was, um, I'd heard a little in an acting class in New York because there was, I had a teacher that was kind of, you know, that way. But um, but then I started getting all this Vedic knowledge. You never had anything previously in your life where you're like, that could have led you there? Like, well, go. just, well, yeah, just an acting teacher named John Osborne Hughes, who, uh, I, is, is, he's an incredible teacher. He's a meditator mm-hmm. and he, um, and in our acting classes, he would often give Vedic knowledge and he, he kind of, I, he's responsible for the spark. He, he, there was, he put the spark inside of me for, or, or, or the, uh, the thirst for this inside of me, uh, but he couldn't fully deliver on it. He wasn't a master. He wasn't a Vedic master, but he was a master in, uh, teaching acting. I mean, incredible. Even people who don't know who don't want to be actors should study with him. He's, yeah. it's, it, he's on another level. Um, so hearing that it was like, I, I felt during that time things were starting to connect, but I didn't know how to apply, apply it. And when I went home and did, he was a meditator, but when I went home and meditated, I couldn't do it. But what's funny is he, he learned meditation from the school of practical philosophy, which is started by a man. I forget his name, who was a student of Guru Dev, my teacher's teacher's teacher. He was a direct student of Guru Dev's. Wow. And so he started the, the uh, London School of Economics, which is called the School of Practical Philosophy in New York. Um, so he was this meditator, but he couldn't teach it. But if you study in the School of Practical Philosophy, after a while, after like, I don't know what it is, like you go through these different programs, they'll finally do puja and teach you something like this, except with one thing. They only have one mantra. For Ooh. everyone. Yes, because he, the, I, and I, I wish I could remember this guy's name, but he went back and said, can I have the mantras? And I think he said no. And so he just taught. He just got one? He, he just, just got his own he, mantra? He taught his own mantra to everybody. Oh, that's sweet and sad. And yeah. That makes me feel a lot of things. But, but, he, but at least he did something. It was yeah. interesting that he... He, um, why was he denied? I don't know. I have to look into it I would, a little this further. This is interesting. I, I'm just... I don't remember, you know, I, this would be a, a good little study point because, um, it happened a long time ago, Yeah, I think in the thirties, uh, probably early thirties or late forties. It would have, I mean, early thirties, late thirties, early forties okay. is when it would have happened. And I don't know if he was denied because Guru Dev, I think maybe Guru Dev, um, it's possible he didn't want him to teach anybody. 
because at that point it's like, you know, if they want to learn, come here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to go see Guru Dev back then you have to fly to India and then you have to go all the way up into the Himalayas and then he might not even be there. And then if he was there, he might not even teach you, Right. you know, that's the course fee here. It's money. Yeah. You know, you, you, there's always a sacrifice, but, but I don't remember if he got the blessing to teach or if he didn't get it and just did it anyway. Um, but it wasn't really developed then. It was Maharishi who really developed it into a system that's, that's reliable and, you know. Why am I fascinated by the dark storyline of like the meditation that didn't come to fruition or like the, the, you know, like the stepchild that didn't see it through or something like yeah well i think but he was also the first one in a way he did see it through and he created this whole school yeah where he uh i think he went back after after swami brahmananda saraswati died he went back to the following shankaracharya and continued to study and would bring some of the some of this knowledge back to his school and then teach it there. But it's funny because it's kind of like the TM organization has a little bit of a branding issue. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but not nearly as bad as the <laughs> London school of economics and the, um, school of practical philosophy. You go there in New York well, I and wouldn't it's think the London school of economics would be affiliated with meditation in any capacity. Right. Isn't that, that a bizarre name? Very strange. But I think because in a way he might've been brilliant because uh, could you open a meditation school in London in 1940 or do you, uh, the London school of economics, you know, um, that might sound nice. Yeah. Cause maybe it's all about applying Vedic knowledge to management or administration or something. Yeah. So I, I ha- can't wait for your podcast, by the way, with like the physicist and you guys just sparring on like these things that I, I just think, I feel like there's such a good crossover between physics and med- and Vedic meditation. There, there is, but I, I don't know. But I that's d- why, that's why it would make I'm such a dumb dumb when it comes session. to science. No, that's what, that's why I think it's so cool because it would just be so interesting to hear the two sides of the same coin, I think. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And I, I've heard podcasts like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I get lost. I'm a storyteller. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that'll happen. But to bring it back, I was like, I was, I was thinking about this today. I'm like, mm-hmm. and after deciding I wasn't going to post anything, all I did for the next two hours was starting to remember yeah. how grateful I am that this, it, so it gets me. what did you decide? Every year. Well, I don't know. I just sort of feel maybe we'll release this one on March 4th. Yeah. You know, I just feel, um, I just have so much gratitude because, uh, it's hard. I guess it's hard to explain where I was mentally when I learned. And I don't think a lot of people, there's a handful of people who, who knew where I was mentally, mm-hmm. you know, Zibby knew, my friend Larry Welk knew there was a few there. I had a handful of people who knew that I was just, I was just out of moves. I was out of moves. I was out of energy. I was out of ideas. I was just done. And it, and things were starting to get scary. Um, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, I'd already come out of Lyme disease, but, um, I hadn't had a job in a while. I was in debt. 
I was, I didn't have the energy. I was still very apathetic from the disease. Disease makes you apathetic, which in a way is good because if you have a disease like that, I hope you're apathetic because then you could be apathetic about the disease. Right. You know, I wasn't freaking out because I was so apathetic. The thing is, is once the fatigue makes you so apathetic that once I was cured, there was nothing I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything. I, it was very tough to, um, uh, imagine anything that would inspire me. So I had to pretend to be inspired just to get my ass moving. And you were in Los Angeles. And I had moved back to Los Angeles after New York, which is hard enough. Yeah. Moving from New York to LA sucks ass. Yeah. New York is the best. And then, and I like LA, but it's very easy to move from LA to New York, not from New York to LA. And so I was going through a culture shock. I was, um, sort of not sick, but still, I guess, in recovery. I didn't have a job or I had just lost, like lost a job. I had no money. I was tired. I was grumpy. I was freaked out. I felt like I was wasting my life. Like it was just, it was just dark. It was the dark night of the soul. And it's not like three years earlier had been any better. Three years, you know, earlier than that, I was that way, except I had a disease that I couldn't get out, you know, couldn't get out of bed. So when I learned, I kind of, I was kind of like, I don't know what I looked on the outside, but inside I was in a little bit of shambles. And then this happened. And then slowly it was like the sun rose and I started feeling better and I started getting inspired again. My energy came back. Uh, my creativity came back. Uh, and, I kept, and, I, and I kept trying really hard to remain skeptical because I, w- I wanted to make sure this wasn't my imagination. Yeah. I really I needed to know that. Reaction. Yeah. And at, at some point, I just couldn't deny it. It was the meditation. It just changed. It just changed my direction. You know, I was like taking off one conveyor belt that was headed towards the rubbish bin and then put on <laughs> the best conveyor belt, which was headed towards enlightenment. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just bizarre. And then, and then every, and then since then, it's just been a kind of a wild ride where I've met the most amazing people. I've traveled the world. I've taught, you know, a thousand and change to learn how to transcend and meditate and help them initiate them on their journey. Um, how many of those people that you've taught have gone on to become teachers? Do you know? Two. Is, two. Two. I've adopted, well, wait, no. Hmm. Yeah, my students alone, maybe two have gone on to become teachers. Um, I've had, it's funny, I've had students who've weirdly like walked away from their teacher and then adopted me as their teacher. Sometimes students will do that. You know, they like you a lot, but then they find another teacher that they just jive with better. Yeah. I've had, I've had students find, teachers other than me is that, that they something you can do what? like oh yeah you're like we encourage it and like, like i well i encourage my friends to or my friends my te- my teachers my students <laughs> to go around to and meet other teachers mm-hmm. because not to like choose one but just to have all of them well it's also important like we've talked about to sort of have that community you just want to be able to ask questions or have yeah. the availability 
even the group meditations, which I don't personally participate in, but like Mm -hmm. that whole spectrum of things you want to have available to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's nice to hear the knowledge coming from different voices. You know, when I first learned I had Tom, but I also had Christian Bavakwa. I had Jeff Kober. I had other teachers and I was trying to like, it was helpful to assimilate the knowledge through different voices. Okay. And, Does and everyone all, have their own spin on it? Um, style. They have their own okay. style. Okay. And, and, but you're kind of looking, part of me, I think, was just sort of enjoying how, just enjoying the different styles of the knowledge and hearing it. Um, but what I was really looking for is people who embodied it and who, who could relate with it, who w- w- weren't just parroting Tom. Um, because when you hear Tom speak, it's just so original. It's so his. It's so... Um, but he'll say, oh, no, it's all Maharishis. But when you hear it from him, it's almost like it has his signature on it. It's so fresh. And and I notice that some people parrot their teachers, and that's very normal. We all parrot our teachers when we're new teachers. Well, I think we do that in anything. We have As to. A musician does Musician, that. filmmaker. Yes. Yeah, you're always... You're trying on your pastiche of like yeah. Yeah, until you kind of and and the assimilation of all those things becomes your style. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you know, at some point, you realize you're not going to be like you know, I'm I'm never going to be Tom. Um, and then, so you kind of. But I remember when I when I came back from teacher training, I watched him like a a hawk. So I, I just was my eyes were glued to him every time he spoke. And by the time I got back, I, I was without even knowing it. I was doing all the hand movements he was doing. It was just so, but it's only, yeah, he's like, he talks like this and, you know, but, um, but I wasn't trying to imitate him. It just, I just picked it up from watching him so intensely. Yeah. And now I don't know. I, now I don't even know what my style is. I just, I just do what I just answer questions. But I think that happens. That's like a normal yeah. thing that happens. Even when I spend a lot of time with certain friends, you, you start, start picking up. You start picking. I have a friend who says his T's really pronounced, mm-hmm. and when I'm with him, I'm always like, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Like the T's get pronounced. Uh-huh. I have another friend who, um, you yeah. Do I, do I mean, that. just so so many things. So many yeah. things. I, yeah, and snort, my snort when I laugh is you snort because of a dear friend of mine. I spent so much time with her, and she snorted all the time. And then it was like really natural. And then it was just like, and now you're a snorter. Not, and then I started. It was like I couldn't laugh without snorting. When we were growing up, my mom every time she was on the on the phone with her cousin Midgey, we'd know it because her entire voice would change. Yeah, and we'd look at each other and be like, "She's on the phone, with Midgey." <laughs> you know, but and Midgey, my aunt Midgey has two kids, Jay and June, and, mm-hmm. and, and we're all close in age. So Jay is my cousin, but he's also like my brother. And June is, you know, our cousin, but almost like Katie's sister. And now when Jay and I talk on the phone, I, I, I can hear, I sound like Jay yeah. talking to Jay. Hello, yeah. Jay. <laughs> and then I can hear if Katie's on the phone with June, she just takes on all of her mannerisms. Yeah. What's funny is I don't think Jay and June do that to us. <laughs> Oh, and no, my mom, yeah, I don't think Midgey talks like my mom. I just think my mom, me, and Katie talk like Midgey, June, and Jay. That is really funny. I wonder what that says about your personality or like your DNA. I don't know. We're just, we, we just, yeah, it's something about, 
I think what it is is when I'm like talking to Jay, I want to feel like Jay. Like I want to, I do this with all of my friends. Like I can take on a little bit of their voice, but it's not to try to be like them. It's to try and, it's almost like I'm trying to feel what it's like to be them or something. Maybe it's your empathy. Maybe you just have really deep empathy. Or it's just my way of maybe, or it just could be my way of relating. Like I have to become the person a little bit to get to know them or to cross or to put a bridge between me and that person. But I do it with everybody except you. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. There's not a thing you'll, (laughs) not a thing you'll take from this. Um, I feel like I do the opposite. I feel like when I'm with someone or a group of people, I tend to be malleable and, and fill the space that's not being taken. Really? Yeah. With, with what? What do you fill it with? Like that side of my personality. Huh. You make a splash though. Oh, I've noticed you make a, you make a splash. Thanks. Like at Kelly's birthday, you made a splash. Like my parents were like, that Brienne, (laughs) my mom's crazy about you. They all love you. I love your mom. (laughs) Yeah. I think you, 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 you're one of those people who just, because you get in there and you're like, all right, you know. Oh, I get excited needs, about yeah, things. Yeah, you get excited about things. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. It's good. A but lot I of enthusiasm. there's a part of me that needs, feels like I want to balance things. Mm-hmm. And that, I, anyways, that's, that's for another time. But yeah, that certainly yeah. happens. I think that it's interesting just that the teachers take on these different Right. Yeah, they but they pull all these pieces together and that becomes their style. Well, it's funny. A lot of us laugh the same way. Really? You know, yeah. I remember I there have been times that I've taken on Tom's laugh and my friend I, I know my, my my friend Eddie Vero, he's a he's an initiator in Berlin. And he's awesome. If anybody is I hope someone in Berlin is listening to this. But if you are, Eddie Vero's your man. He's one of my favorite initiators and and he has a big red beard and he's so funny and so smart. Um, he's just kind of amazing, but he, I noticed he has Tom's laugh. A lot of people do. And this came up in, in a conversation. How would you describe that? Like a, it's like a throw back, a head throwing, being thrown back and laughing. And Tom said, he said, yeah, you don't have my laugh. You have Maharishi's. And Maharishi said that that's actually Guru Dev's laugh. It's, it's like this pat, this thing that's this infectious laugh that gets passed down. And we all, and I noticed my friend, um, Izzy, she's an initiator in Mexico city. She really has it. So some people take, pick up different aspects of, but Tom will always say like that, that's from Maharishi. Yeah. I got it from watching Maharishi like a hawk for 20 years. And then I just picked up his mannerisms and now you're all doing it, but it's not me. It's Maharishi and Maharishi claimed that it was all from Guru Dev. So, um, who knows? Maybe this is just, I think we should track the the lineage of of like the laughter (laughs) and the teaching styles. Okay. Lightning round question. Okay. If you could teach anyone meditation, who would it be? Um, and why? Alive or dead? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can answer however you want. I mean, you know, I think, I think the past few, like when I was a new teacher, it was Barack Obama. Okay. 
for sure. Okay. It was Barack Obama, but now I think it's now I think it's changed and um I don't know. And then for a while it was my dad, but then I taught him. So now I now I, I kind of this doesn't weigh on me as much anymore. Um you know, probably it's it's it, it won't be an exciting answer for the audience, but probably my friend Bo Howell. Okay, and uh, I think he he he's interested in learning, and um, but I think it's more just because I miss him, and he's he lives in Atlanta, I think, or did he go back to Shreveport? I don't know, but I went to acting school with Bo, and Bo is one of the most unique and. F- original human beings I've ever met. He's, he's, uh, funnier. Um, uh, I, I went to acting school with, with Bo and with Paul Rudd. And if you want to see what makes Paul laugh, it's Bo. Bo is, he's on another level. I just can't quite describe him, but lately I've been wanting to go to Atlanta and teach him. So, I'd still teach Barack Obama. I'd teach <laughs> Julia Roberts if she came down what from Taos. What about like Trump? What about someone who like you feel like would really maybe benefit? From I don't him? think Trump would. Um, want, first of all, if I knew Trump would meditate twice a day, I'd teach him in a heartbeat. But he wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't like to be controlled. You know, he wouldn't like to take direction. Yeah, I think he would talk about himself the whole time. Yeah. Um, I think he'd just be a difficult student and there's no worthy inquiry there. Yeah. There's none. Uh, I would teach, I would, you know, I would teach an ax murderer. Yeah. You know, someone said, Hey, there's this guy up in San Quentin. He, um, he killed 400 people with an ax, uh, you know, but he wants to learn how to meditation, how to meditate. And he, and all he, all he talks about is enlightenment. I'd go up there and teach him. Yeah. Uh, I teaching people with worthy inquiry is a lot more fun than teaching the rich and famous. Um, teaching influential people is great because then they'll talk about it. But I've taught not all influential people are that influential. Yeah. I've taught people who apparently are very influential and they haven't said shit about this meditation after I yeah. taught them. And I've taught people, you know, I taught one girl who could barely afford this meditation. She had to save up for it. Saved up, she'd text me, I'm saving, you know. And, uh, and finally she scraped together the money and said, can you please teach me today before I spend this? Um, she threw her, I got like 15 students, you know, that's influence, that's influence. And, uh, but I know I've taught people with like, you know, a billion followers on Instagram who are, everyone's like, oh, this person's so amazing. And everyone bows down to them. And nothing, you know, it's, it's good when people have worthy inquiry or when it's very meaningful, like this, she, this girl spent every cent she had on this and it meant so much to her. And, and because of that investment, which wasn't just money, but her heart and soul went into it. She, um, she really talked it up. So I like teaching people of influence. Um, but I also like teaching people, you know, it's always fun when I teach people like you, like, I don't, I didn't know we were going to be friends. I didn't know, you know, you just teach someone and there's an enthusiasm there. And then they, the people start to do it and respond and have lots of questions. 
Because you kept texting me. I remember saying, I have so many questions. I had so many questions. There's... And we would get together and it was just like rapid fire. Like, yeah. 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 Well, because it opens up such an interesting piece. And it also kind of connected with, for me, it connected with things that I had like touched base with previously, mm-hmm. but never explored. Yeah. So it was, it was like, wait, I know this thing. I know this feeling. I know this arena, but I just don't, I've never actually been there. Mm. I've just seen photos of it or whatever that, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that that for me, it was so exciting because it like opened up doors of things that I knew were there, but I just had no access to before. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I, I kind of want to teach David Byrne, but I have a feeling he does this already. <laughs> he doesn't even need this, but I just want to hang out with him. <laughs> do you know him? You probably do, right? I mean, we've <laughs> met. He used to go to Bowery Ballroom all the time. Is he wacky? He's wacky. He's amazing. I love, yeah. love. He's just a hero worship. Yeah. I, ever since I was in like, you know, whenever... Whenever they started doing anything, I was just like, Are you? actually, I didn't like them at first, but, but, um, something but he's evolved as such like a cool character too, of just like yeah. personality. But I even like his geeky years. Like I really mm-hmm. like his, those early talking heads albums are, yeah. they're still beyond. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been listening to those first two, the one before slippery. I mean, the one before speaking in tongues. Right. There's two. There's the the red one, and then the four faces yep. one. Oh, There's such good albums. I'm tr- I'm trying to think of when. Well, he. Tra- I think he's such an interesting character because you know, like, so now you've kind of seen how he's like evolved as his person and mm-hmm. personality, and then it makes you go back and listen to those records and think so much more psychologically about them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I want to teach healthcare workers. I know I know that may sound sappy, but they've done so much in the past year. Yeah. I w- I want to find a way to like I mean, you you've seen all those pictures of you know of them the selfies that they take with the deep marks from yeah, their face masks. masks and their bags under their eyes and yeah. um I hope I can figure out how to teach some of those people yeah. this year because they really need it. And they're heroes, you know, and no one gave them any credit. You're giving them credit. I'm giving them, I'm giving you credit right now. Credit right now. There's some credit. There's credit. I think people, you know, some people, some people appreciate them. Yeah. Hopefully. So when you have students and you touch base with them, do you, how, how often do people go on to learn rounding? How often do people go on to like more advanced techniques? Um, and is, are there rounding retreats? There's rounding retreats. And I think other teachers have a little bit better, uh, they have a better system than I do, Okay. which is, I think most of my colleagues get their students into advanced techniques and rounding quicker than I do simply because I'm more of a Johnny Appleseed type initiator where I'm just traveling. Yeah. I travel so much and it's, it's become... That's not a bad thing because uh, you might say, well, you're not really developing a community, but I've also, the payoff is, is that I've gotten mantras into people's heads where there are no initiators. Yeah. Uh, but I really do at some point, I don't want to stop traveling, 
but I do at some point want to be a little bit more stable where I can give more advanced techniques and yeah and uh and do rounding retreats but i i had two rounding retreats planned for last year in 2020 they both got canceled i had four retreats last year planned every one of them got canceled because of covid yeah so we cannot we just can't do a rounding retreat i mean you can we can do one it's just different it's just difficult um it's easier to teach rounding one on one during this time. Uh, so, um, and I don't push the, I don't push the advanced technique. What's the advantage of an advanced technique? I, I was going to say, I don't push it. it. You're eligible after a year, okay. but if it's two years and you haven't learned it yet, then I start, then I'll say like, it's time, it's time to do it. The advantage is, uh, you don't, when you transcend, you, if, you, if you can visualize the mind as like a pool or a pond, mm. and up there is the waves, you know, imagine a kid's drawing of the ocean with the curvy waves and the bottom of the ocean. That curvy, splashy part, that's our consciousness where we live. And when we transcend, we go all the way past that bottom line mm. um, where we transcend that, the mind altogether. And we pass through that that layer called Ritam that we've talked about. Mm. Now, the fine level of feeling is is our intuition. And we always, as meditators, we know we're supposed to follow charm. This is the this is the instruction. Following charm means following your intuition. Go with charm. Go with what's and and the intellect, it's hard for people to do this because the intellect will say, no, 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 not that, not this, not that, not this. Um, but we need to shut the intellect up. It do- actually doesn't know what it's talking about because the final level of feeling is closer to the absolute or pure being than the intellect is. Pure being, everything, the future, everything emerges out of that. So the fine level of feeling or your intuition can actually capture what's going to happen next quicker than the intellect can. Right. Because it's closer to it. And that's in Ritam, that, that celestial layer between pure, unbounded, unmanifest consciousness and the, the mind, manifest mind. So when you have the advanced technique, you don't zoom past it into zoom past Ritam into transcendence as fast, you tend to teeter in Ritam, spend a little time there before transcending. And the more time you spend in Ritam, the more it refines the senses and refines the fine level of feeling. So your intuition starts to grow. And also this, this triggers more celestial experiences where your perception your perceptual acuity becomes sharper and sharper and sharper uh, so that you start having um, deeper experiences of interconnectedness, excuse me. And you just get to the point where you don't even, like most people need to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? What if we do that? Well, what's going to happen? You know, talk to initiators. They're like, I don't want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> I already know because you kind of know it all. You start to know what's going to happen at all times because your fine level of feeling becomes so sharp. Yeah. Um, 
but it's really to develop ritam. It's to de- develop that celestial layer where your senses can be refined so you can start having more GC experiences and uh, to develop your fine God consciousness. Okay. Um, that just means really like, profound, LOL sharp. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And your intuition grows. Okay. You know, intuition, we should be living by intuition, not by intellect. And that's really tough for people, you know, to like, because the intuition will say something and the intellect will say that's a bad idea because of this, this, and this. And you go intuition, you want to comment and it won't back up why Does this it's always happened for you and your no, no, it used to. Okay. Now I just follow my intuition okay. as much as I can, but now the, the intuition won't back anything up. It'll just say, no, go to El Paso. And you're like, yeah, but I can think of 20 reasons not to intuition goes, go to El Paso. Intellect will back up why you shouldn't. Intuition won't say anything, just go. And so it's very difficult at first to really put this into practice, but once you do, you'll never go back. Intuition, always, always. And the more you do it, the more you can rely on it. You know, practicing makes that muscle um, better. Yeah. So people should get their advanced technique because it, it's just, it helps them evolve quicker. It helps them evolve their inner state of consciousness quicker and, and integrate it more. Yeah. When's your anniversary? Um, June? June 29th. June 29th. So... And how's your meditation going, Brienne? My my meditation is good. <laughs> is it? Um, it's good. Are you it's, finding time? It, Brienne's very busy these days. I, I am. I, I certainly miss more than I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that always bums me out. And I'm... Yeah. Yeah. But There's, I also am like kind of forgiving of myself for that. I good. It, it tends to be like, it's not just work. It's more like... It's work and then the babies intertwined yeah. with work. The two yeah. things are very... Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and, and and you're a podcast host. And I'm a podcaster. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's... But it, it still feels like such an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. So it certainly... And I do find that, you know, doing it helps me be more productive and like be calmer and be all the things that I need to be during the day. So it's so important to catch those 20 minute. When's your slow, when's the slow time of the year for you work-wise? That's a good question. I don't know that there is a slow time of the year for me. Um, usually. Brian is a music supervisor. Yes. For those who don't know. And she is doing 13 shows right now. She does the, she well, does. Okay, technically, it's eleven and two pilots. So you do <laughs> Emily in Paris, uh-huh. Search Party. Uh-huh. What else? Um, a show called Russian Doll. Russian Doll, of course. Yeah. How could I forget? How could you forget? Especially because um, of yeah. our Harry Nilsson conversation. <laughs> yeah. I love Harry Nilsson, and she put Harry Nilsson in the beginning. Yes. So I think Brienne uh, has. I, I, you're, you're, you have the job that I think is the only job that's slightly cooler than mine. <laughs> It is a great job. I feel that way every day. I mean, I wake yeah. up and I'm like, oh, I have so much to work to do. I'm like, oh, but I love that I get to yeah. do this all day. Yeah. So it is, it is the best. But yeah, it's really busy. Typically things are more 
spread out over the year. Right. But right so now, when you know you're going to have a slow time, yeah. that's when I'll do a rounding retreat. I really want to do that. And it was so perfect that everything was shut down this year mm-hmm. because I had the opportunity to start the practice, really get into it and yes. have that as like a base. Right. Because otherwise... I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that. I think I was always kind of looking for something like this. I was always looking for this thing. I know. We could have, I could have taught you five years ago. All the times we should have met when we lived <laughs> down the street in New York, uh-huh. when we lived down the street in LA, when we had mutual friends You were in encouraged LA, to, to come to my, yeah. So but, funny. Yeah. It just had to happen this way. It had to happen this yeah, way. Yeah, because the podcast had to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what, I don't know. I think we're... We're here now. Good. Are we at an hour and eight minutes yet? We're, we're, yeah. Beyond? Almost exactly. Really? What, yeah. what, how, what's the time? Uh, at 107? 70.30. So that's 17.30 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's like so an min- hour and an 10 hour minutes. An hour and 10 minutes, yeah. yeah. Wow, how about that? That really escapes me after seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So this was good. This was good. Just to this is just a casual yeah, chat. Just a this just the old casual chat podcast. Yes, yes. Um, with no agenda. I like it. Yeah. This one. What, what was this one about? I think it was about like your evolution of teaching and and Mm. your students and Mm -hmm. like that that picture that full picture yeah i'm very excited to continue teaching it's so great and also and you're so good at it thank you (laughs) i really like it um i i I also should say that a few people who've listened to this podcast have reached out wanting to learn (gasps) i love that which is really cool i just heard from a woman in New York. I, I think her name is Ashley. I, I got to check the email again. But then there was someone else or two people or three people in LA who have, were listening to the podcast. I think two of them listened to it and wanted to learn from me. The other one was going to learn from me every anyway. But when I came to teach her, she said I listened to every episode. And so this podcast is... Um, it's it's awesome. It's getting out. It's getting out there. And if you want to learn this, mm-hmm. I can make it very easy for you. Um, you know, all you have to do is email me at b t h e o at me dot com and say why is it at me dot com? Because that was the the Mac when I <laughs> when I signed up. That was Apple's the, the the email Apple was giving at that time when I switched over to Apple was me. Interesting. Yeah. Mac email. I don't know, but it was, I don't, I, I have, I have no, I don't know. It was All just, right, but it is, it is B T H E O at me.com. Yeah. And just send an email and no matter where you are in the world, uh, I will send you to an initiator. Um, if you live in LA or New York or Santa Fe or Dallas or, Anywhere in between. Anywhere in between. <laughs> you have a good chance that I'll, I will be teaching you. I'm going to be teaching in L.A. soon, San Diego, New York, hopefully Atlanta. I'm going to see if I can go down and teach Bo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm going to 
convince you to have a retreat here, a rounding yes, retreat. Yes, and then a rounding retreat in Santa Fe. In Santa Fe is like the perfect place. It's the perfect place for a rounding retreat. Yeah. So what I'm saying is don't, if, you're, if you've been listening to this and this is something you want to do, reach out because if I can't teach you, there's, there's a lot of amazing initiators in the world who can. And, uh, and I love all of them. I can't vouch for them. So I, I have can. nothing to say here. They're great. <laughs> Get yourself some Eddie Vero. Or... <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for, thanks for hanging out tonight. Yes. Thanks for the burrito. <laughs> they gave me a we burrito. We cover the burrito, but like it was there. <laughs> it happened before the podcast. I, I pre-gamed. What if you were eating a burrito during the podcast? We should no do one, one like that. We should get burritos. Like an eating, cooking, meditation podcast. I love it. I love it. I was also thinking, <laughs> seriously, I was also thinking, oh no, no, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. What? I, and this is when I thought you were going to go to Amarillo for your shot. Yeah. I was going to say we should do a podcast on the way to oh, Amarillo. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll take a road trip. Maybe somewhere. I'll go with Adam. Yes. And you, you'll switch hosts. Yes. And then Adam and I will You'll do get the, my other half. Yes. <laughs> who is incredible and would make a great podcast. It would make a really good podcast. All right. We're yeah. just throwing that out there. Okay. Just well, anyway. Out there. Uh, thank you for listening to thank Slouching listening. Towards Enlightenment. This has been Slouching Towards Enlightenment. We forgot to introduce ourselves. Yes. And I am Teo Burkhart. I'm Brian Rose. Um, what else? Thank you, Fredo Viola, too. <laughs> thank you, Fredo. <laughs> we just, and I, and Fredo, and so Fredo Viola does that intro song. And mm-hmm. I, a lot of people have reached and out saying, an outro song, saying, who is that? And it's a fun for me to say, that was my best friend in third grade. And Teo music supervised that moment. He was like, I have this great song. Yeah, you're right, I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you one upped me. Fine. It's the yeah. God damn it. It's all downhill. God damn it. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> on Vedic meditation, please visit teoburkhart.com. Slouching Towards Enlightenment is produced by The Moon Recording Company, executive produced by Teo Burkhart and Brian Rose. Our theme music is Supplicant Song by Fredo Viola. And